Welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Elder Scrolls Legends. This episode is sponsored by Team Rankstar and Inked Gaming. Visit TeamRankstar.com for all the latest Tesla news, and visit Inked Gaming and use the code TRS12 to get 12% off your next order of customized gaming gear. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Elder Scrolls Legends. My name is Mark Lutz. I'm outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm one of your hosts. And with me tonight, I have uh, two fantastic, stupendous, incredible individuals. Um, the first one, I have our regular co-host here with us, uh, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing, brother? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I am uh, had a busy couple weeks. I had a crazy weekend traveling up and down uh, Virginia, but uh, now that I'm back settled down and caught up on some sleep, I'm feeling really good. I actually got a chance to play some cards today, so that was that was clutch. I needed that. Well, you know, it is good when we talk about a card game to, that we get to play the game. <laughs> yeah, <sometimes>. Right. <laughs> even, even amongst busy schedules, you know, you got to get that. You got to get that time in the bathroom with at least one game towards yeah. Yeah. finishing that quest, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, our other uh, our other uh, guest, our, our it, she's our first time here with us. Our second uh, female content creator for Tesla to be on this show. Um, the incredible, miraculous. I think I used the word stupendous, most excellent. <laughs> Silver Fuse is with us tonight. Silver Fuse, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're really happy to have you. Thank you so much um, for for being willing to come on the show. We we you know we really appreciate it. Anytime someone's willing to take a chunk of their day and just chat with us about Tesla for a couple of hours, and we love to sort of like kick off this show by talking a little bit just about like what we've been playing and what we've been doing in Tesla. Um, Silver, you want to start us off? Just tell us, you know, what how's Tesla been treating you? What you've been doing this? Uh, well, you know, the last week or so. Well, obviously, I uh, was doing invade things and seeing if it's still good, as well as kind of taking advantage of people playing not very optimized invade decks. So I've been playing a lot of aggro, a lot of Halalu, uh, aggro warrior, Ebonheart, and that's been a lot of success just because of all the comp. The comp is a lot slower now, so it's been really nice just to kind of take advantage and smork. Yeah. I got smorked. I tried it too, and I got smorked quite a <laughs> bit while I was playing it. Um, it's it's a it's a we'll talk about that in a bit. It's far more complex now than it used to be. I I think. Well, in my opinion, anyway. Maybe. <laughs> I, I ended up with more. I it, it seemed a lot harder. Well, it was definitely a lot harder to put together. But I was playing a really unoptimized version of it, of course. Um, Ian, how about you, man? You said you got to get a little bit of time um, playing uh, playing Tessels. So what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Yeah, I, I streamed this morning, and um, I played, like, a couple games, like, over the last two weeks. It, it's been a little dicey, just uh, personal life crap, you know, just piling up and having to kind of take some time away from the stream and stuff like that. But I did get a stream today, which is cool. Um, I, I, I haven't touched uh, Combo Invade. Not once. And not I also once. Uh, not once. So I have not pure. played a single game of it. And I haven't lost to anyone playing Invade yet. Wow. Um uh, I, I had this string where all I was playing was aggro, so I guess I just smarked them down anytime I ran into it and it, it just didn't happen. But I know it exists and I seen it get like really stupid. Uh so I, I 
you know, it was probably a good time for me to not be playing a whole lot of games. Um, but uh, but today I played um, uh, Doomcrag Warrior um, using um, Faded Wraith for in, Immense Cycle and Journey to Sovngarde. Uh, I actually won a bunch of games with it today um, and never actually had to Journey to Sovngarde to win. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I had it. Uh, and then I also played, actually, I went on a ridiculous kind of run. I mean, I, I'm still at rank five, but I went on like a five and one run at the end of the stream with uh, self-damage um, Redoran, which is so fun to play. I mean, I, I, I got a video coming out on it uh, tomorrow. It's, uh, I've, I already kind of posted a video, but I, I decided incorporating more drain units, uh, especially the uh, Dagon Seducer, the 3-6 breakthrough drain. That thing's been really awesome with the Fighters Guild halls and stuff like that because it's got that big beefy back end, and then of course like it's a mid range deck, albeit a fast one. So you kind of need that region if you're starting to get smorked by other things. Um, so I made those changes, and holy crap, it was a huge difference maker. It really was. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I imagine that deck would really benefit from staying alive, right? And I mean, I think most decks do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the vast majority of decks in Tessel do better when their health is above zero. The, 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 the first step to winning is not losing. So, you know. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. I, th this episode is hey, just full there of There is one effects. deck that I can think of where you kind of want to die in some ways. You just saw, you know, Vivek with... <laughs> like Vivek, and then you play like Mechanical Heart and kill off your Vivek, and you have Namira's Ring up, and then boom, you've killed your opponent. You, you know, you know what? You're not <laughs> wrong. You are certainly not wrong. <laughs> I actually ran into like two Viveks today. I, I feel like I, I, I feel like if, if somebody has Vivek in their deck, they will see it against me. I've been into it so many times today. Luckily, Doomcrag doesn't really care about it. But <laughs> mm, the only place I ever yeah. see Vivek is in Arena. Which is just oh, that's terrible. That's see. the worst. I still uh, yeah, that's a card that I think should be removed from Arena. I think it should have been a bit ago. They've removed my Relic Hunter, the three two for two mana, but they left in Vivek. I don't understand. Oh my gosh, there is nothing more frustrating in all of Arena than to just be crushing somebody and then throw Vivek in the other lane and you just never, ever be able to touch it or do anything about yeah. it. The last guy who did it to me, I had him at like negative 140 health before he oh, beat God. me. <laughs> um, but just could never get anything in the shadow lane to take care of the Vivek. He just, and I, oh, oh, oh my gosh. And he played it the turn that he was at like four health and I had a full field lane. He had nothing on the board. I was like, this game's in the back. I don't, I don't even want to talk about it. That it's that's pretty what cheesy. Me, yeah, um, that's what made me stop arena. <laughs> I don't like I don't like Vivek. Like I I don't I'm not advocating that it be removed from constructed or anything. But I don't like Vivek on the principle of do you have the answer? If not, cry. You know. Yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, not hard to have the answer in a lot of different cases. Yeah, but no, in it's arena, not. it's very difficult. Yeah, 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 yeah. It can be one of those just super feels baddie cards where you're like, well. I don't have anything. Um, uh, Silver, I don't, I don't. We're gonna learn about this, and I don't know. But did you, did you ever play Magic: The Gathering at all? Was that a? No, I have not played Magic. I played a very, very tiny event when I was in Dallas for QuakeCon. Very, very, very tiny. I know some basic things just because I've, you know, I see Twitter and I hear about things, and it's, 
yeah, it's everywhere, so it's kind of hard to miss being in the CCG world. I thought about trying it before just to understand what people are talking about, but it seems really hard to get into. So that's well, as far as free to yeah, as far as financially. And I'm someone who likes to win. I don't want to just get creamed by people who have a lot better cards than me. And it feels like Magic, especially on... Well, Magic the Gathering Arena, like online, has been making it harder and harder for new players to get in. So that's really pushed me away from it. If it was easier to get into, I definitely would have tried it by now. But not with the way it is currently. I mean, those who think that Tesla is unapproachable, um, competitive Magic is one of the most unapproachable things. It was actually named the most complex board or card game in the world. Um, above above and beyond anything else that's ever been created, Magic the Gathering stands is the most complex. Um, I, see, I take issue with that. Gotta be honest. I know I they do too, actually. What, what the, I know what you're referring to because I read that article and it was that a computer had a harder time executing and predicting magic than it did like even chess right because um, there's a, more random effects in magic than chess yeah. so of course the computer is going to find one easier than the other but does that make it more complex not necessarily yeah well and i think like complex to a computer and complex to humans are totally different you know um because like I, and this is where i take issue with magic like not that i don't have fun playing it because i i mean i i don't play it anymore but i used to like uh play with my roommate in college and we literally just would buy a starter deck and bust them open and like play with whatever we had. And it's just, it was fun. Uh, but you know, like I, it was just fun because it was hanging out with my roommate, not really because I was into magic, but my issue, I mean, it feels so inelegant, you know what I mean? Especially compared to other games that have taken the good parts of magic and, and evolved them and innovated, you know, magic and Pokemon both. Right feel like the, the the resource system is so clunky, you know, and a lot of the effects feel uh, just really unrefined and inelegant is basically the best way I can say it. You know, it's... it's well, uh, yeah, you know, that has anything to do with complexity, though. Well, no, yeah, and, and what I'm saying, I, I agree, though, like, is I'm thinking, like, maybe that... Like, the fact that, okay, do you, like... You can mulligan. I, from what I understand, like you can mulligan and keep reducing your hand size, right? Yes. If you mulligan again, right? I mean, yeah. that's an that's a huge layer. Like, okay, I drew five lands. All right, well, I'll mulligan. Now I drew one land. Well, I mulligan. Now, so like all those little clunky mechanics due to like the resource system and which ones it, you know, uh, it just seems like I can understand why a computer would have a hard time with it, you know. Well, all that to say that Magic the Gathering is an extremely unapproachable card game. Um, and you're right. Magic the Gathering is the funnest at two points. The one point is $10 with your friend, yeah. and the next point <laughs> is $10,000 at a tournament. Like, there's there's not really a fun point between 10 and 10,000. I don't, I don't think. That's one of the more difficult elements of it. Well, my week in Tesla, it's really looking back over two weeks. So, Invade Combo came out, and I was like, I'll try this, um, because I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. And so, I threw together, I don't know, what whatever Ian's deck was at the time. And I made a few adjustments to it because unfinished business I despise. And so um, changed a few cards out and gave it a try. And uh, I went from rank the bottom, the snake of rank two to legend. Um, and I lost two games, Le- legitimately lost two games. Um, there was a couple of games that I lost because I horribly misplayed. But in any game that I didn't horribly misplay, 
I won basically by a landslide with the exception of two games. Um, and that was against control decks that didn't break runes. Um, other than that, I just could not be outraced by anything. I, it, I, I couldn't be beaten by other invade decks. Like it was insane. So I went straight to legend. Um, and then this past week has honestly been really full. Just of course, like my life and all the things that I had going on. Um, so, and I redownloaded Elder Scrolls Blades, um, which might've been a mistake in my life, but I thought it was going to come out this fall for switch. So I was like, I want to see what my, my fortress is like. And I want to get caught up. Cause I was in like the, I don't know, early access or whatever. And I really like the game. So that's taken up some of my time. So it's been mostly sort of questing, um, playing some gobos, um, played a lot of empire gobos and really liked Really enjoyed that. Um, I think that I just think that there's a lot of good synergies with some of the early game new goblins and some of like the token strategy just to sort of keep and maintain the board really, really well in the early game. Um, and so Gobbo's in in Empire. It's probably not the best, but it's been a lot of fun. And I, I like goblins and I swore I was going to play them. So now I'm I'm playing them. Um, so, yeah, that was like that was basically my week last couple of weeks in Tessel, a, a lot of invade. I did screw around with a little bit of invade post nerf. Um, didn't really mess around with any of the cards that got buffed, but it's kind of sad that the nerf to invade made far more news, I think, than this whole slew of cards that got the the buff. But, you know, well, that could be part of the news. Are you guys ready to, to move on and let's talk about some news? Sure. Sure. Okay. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about the news. History shall remember this day. Okay, so the biggest thing in news, which has been the biggest thing in news for quite some time, is Invade combo decks. Um, it was something that was sort of behind the scenes, being experimented with, Um by Endozoa and who else? Because there was another Maddie Borch. Maddie Borch, and and they're both part, I think, of the TRS competitive team, correct? So yes. it was kind of like inside of that that TRS competitive team thing, and it was sort of like uh, you know a close held secret until it came out at a recent warp meta, where I believe Endozoa used it to whip the crap out of everybody <laughs> and It'll win his mage. second. Yeah, and win his second. Then we got a Guild Sworn version that came out that became pretty popular pretty quick. Um, and we got an outcry from the community for a nerf. And one of those people who sort of helped push that forward was you, Silver. Um, so tell us a little bit about like what your experience was with this whole Invade thing. Like, What did you like? What did you dislike about this new combo deck that was found? Because you were pretty vocal amongst all of that. Yeah, so um, I didn't actually help directly with the deck when Indozoa and Maddie were making it, but I watched them refine it and what they were doing. So I played it pretty early, and I just, as you kind of explained, just started smashing people on ladder with it, and it just wasn't even a contest. It was really, really disgusting, and the combo, it is a bit brain dead. Like, I have to say it. People are like, oh, you know, you know, most decks I can say, like, oh, Nick Sox, you have to do this and this and know how to play in this situation. But this deck was literally like, hold your cards, bring back a gate, play the, or play an invade card, play the gate, and then just start going, just play everything. And then the only, like, skill to it was if you're against a control list, then you did wait and you wanted to make sure you had 10 invade cards in your hand, essentially. Or 
close to it. But that was about it. Um, so I was like, yeah, this obviously isn't good for the game. I'm comboing on turn five, six, and seven. My opponent can't do anything about it. This is pushing out aggro. It probably even countered aggro like harder than control list, which is crazy. There's no way mid-range could ever compete with it. So it kind of just took away everything I love about Tussle, which is having these board-based battles and you know, deciding whether to hit, when to not to hit, and making trades instead you're just waiting to combo off against someone. So I knew that this needed to be gone very quickly, and also to Ian Bits and I talked about it. Um, they, first off, Maddie and Indo made the Guild Sworn version that Ian was showing off that I showed off as well, and Indozoa made the Mage version of it, but we just picked the Guild Sworn version just because it, I don't know, just kind of seemed more fun to share, honestly. But um, we were, we both talked to each other about it. We're like, hey, what should we do? Like, should we say something about this? Or should we just kind of, like, see if it passes for a bit? And we were both like, yeah, we need to show people this. Because when we, like, we have some reach to the point where we can elevate that level of people knowing what's going on. If it's something that just slowly spread, because obviously not everyone watches Warp Meta, but quite a few people do watch the YouTube videos between us two. So if it just slowly spreads, people are going to see it on ladder and then they're going to complain and then it's just going to like slowly bump up. But if we, we knew that if we showed it right away and it just kind of escalated, it would just be really, really high priority and it would get changed faster. There are definitely some people that were mad at us for showing the list, like saying like, yo, you ruined ladder and stuff. Like, obviously, we're still like a small slice of the actual player base, but enough where, you know, a couple extra thousand people can make a difference when it spreads that quickly. So, yeah, I was pretty vocal in saying this needs to be changed because it made the game really unfun for me. Honestly, I found about found out about the combo about a week before Warp Meta. So I was a bit down, honestly, playing Tesla because I knew what was going to happen as soon as that combo was shown that everyone would play it. Because I don't blame them for playing it. It's a fun combo. Like, well, fun when you first start because you're like, wow, I get to do this. And then after a bit, you realize that it just kind of ruins the game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the first couple times that I played it, I was like, man, this is actually, well, like, okay, so I, I played it once, and I was like, this is super broken. Like, it was just, yeah. it, it, it wasn't even like, well, maybe this isn't really strong. Maybe this isn't as good as people are saying. It was like, I played it once, and I was like, oh, yeah, they can't have this. This yeah. can't be a thing. Like, it this was, is way too good. It was kind of funny, too, because at the beginning, like, I told... Ian about the list, uh, Ian Bits, and he honestly kind of disregarded me. He was like, yeah, that's hilarious. Like, there's no way that's better. Like, because I was like, it's better than Nixox Assassin. It's like the best deck we've ever had in this game. And he was like, you are overreacting. He was kind of like, what is wrong with you? Like, back off here. And I was like, all right, play the list, play the deck. And then, you know, smashed Gauntlet with it. And he was like, okay. He's like, yeah, you were right. It's really good. He was like, this can't be in the game. <laughs> so it was kind of funny to see. I had a few people, like, even when Indozoa was playing it, I have a few friends that were like, I still don't think it's that good. I think Indozoa is just high rolling the opponent. And then, like, after seeing it do it again and again and again, and then finally playing the list, people are like, wow, this, it, it's, it was interesting to me because a lot of people were very skeptical of it. I think because for like the two or three weeks before, people were like, oh, Invade isn't very good. You can just execute it. You run it over with aggro. And as soon as like some people put together the gates, they were like, this is good. This is good. People weren't really open to listening to that. But once they saw it after a bit, they were like, wow, this is this is broken. Of course, you know, Reddit exploded into the dumpster fire it was, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ian. 
No, I mean, I, I'm totally, totally get that. The, I mean, I remember the conversation we had in Discord, you know, about yes. like, uh-huh. um, well, I mean, me and Silver uh, and Laser and DT Blade are in this Discord uh, group message. And I'm like, and I think Silver's like, oh my gosh, this invade thing. And I'm like, what invade thing? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I, what, what is this? I don't even know what you're talking about. Because every invade I play is tempo, you know, this tempo invade. And it's like, easy to beat what, what's up you know <laughs> and then so it was like no 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 like it just combos from hand on turn six and i'm like oh that exists that's terrible <laughs> like I, I i was like are you i was like really like are you i thought you were messing with me not gonna lie i thought you were just messing with me <laughs> and i'm sitting there i'm like you know and the thing is i mean i was one of those people, very outspoken saying invade is not good right because for the first week and a half, two weeks, everybody just just played at tempo, which is fun and and like it can win games, right? But sure. I mean, it's not combo. And I'm almost concerned now that like combo invade, even though it's back down, is a thing. I'm actually kind of concerned nobody's ever gonna play tempo invade again, which I thought was actually kind of interesting. You know, it forced people to build into shadow, you know, and 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 prioritize the shadow lane trading a lot more. I thought it was a very interesting way to kind of break the the lane dynamics open a little bit. Uh, with like tempo but now i'm kind of like oh man like will anyone ever play that again because combo even with combo back down you i mean you were talking about you guys put videos out it's still playable it's gonna take some work to make not playable and so it's i it's like it's like with battle mage right like when mid bm was ridiculously strong it's like well great everyone's gonna put mid bm into their competitive lineups which boxes out the very interesting and pretty powerful like item aggro bms and things like that like that's kind of my concern anyways i don't know what you what, what you think about I do that think it's but... interesting i think it makes the mirror a bit in, more interesting now where before in invade it was like you either went second or you played scamp it was one of those two <laughs> but now if you are playing like the bm combo version for example and i'm not even sure which one i feel is the best version right now i think that yellow invade is the best but i don't know if the importance of fear totem right now is a question but if I, for example, I play the combo BM versus someone who is playing tempo on Guildsworn, it can definitely out-tempo you. I mean, it's kind of a high roll, low roll versus versus each other. Yeah. But I think there's times where you play the tempo game, especially against aggro. Obviously, it's not near as good against aggro now. Unless you get Fear Totem, then you're going to just combo on turn six like nothing. Like, same thing as usual. But if you don't have Fear Totem by turn, you know, four or five, you have to play it like a tempo deck. And you have to realize that as the invade player. So I feel like there is a bit more skill in it in some ways. But I think the RNG does go up as well. For example, Fear Totem. But something that is big where before on the combo, you were getting all the keywords anyway. So the key, it really wasn't a, it was an RNG deck. People complain about keywords all the time. With the old combo, it was not an RNG deck. But now... Because you're having to tempo a bit more, and it is a bit more RNG heavy. If you're getting a charge with Ward and Lethal, yeah, it's pretty good. Or the Drain with charge sometimes against Aggro can make a difference. So it's a bit more RNG heavy. So there's the pros of I feel like you have to understand what's going on now. You have to know if you need to be the aggressor, play tempo, or play for combo. And I think that's really nice. That adds a, a bit extra skill set. But there's also the con that it does now. Like everyone's fear was. Now I'm going to get high rolled by keywords, and that does happen a bit more now, which is a bit upsetting. Yeah. You know, I think maybe my biggest area of concern with Invade was sort of uh, almost 
not so much from a perspective of gameplay, but in a perspective of the impact on the community. Because one of the things that I really, really appreciated about Invade was um, what it gave access to for the new players, right? There's so many of the, the, the tempo Invade decks that were going around at the beginning that were super, super accessible to somebody who was a newer player because so many of the cards were commons and rares. And you could put together a half-decent tempo Invade deck and go play it on ladder. Now, that is not true for the combos. The combo versions are typically very expensive. I mean, um, <coughs> Invasion Party, Tremora Adept, um, you have some very expensive legendaries from this set that you have to craft. And so if the only quote-unquote viable Invade deck becomes the combo deck, I think it's just another way where... I think that um, Moons of Elsewhere did this pretty poorly with both Wax, Wayne, and Consume, where although yeah. I loved both of those mechanics... They were relatively locked behind some pretty expensive walls when it came to legendary cards. Ones that a new player without a very large card base that had not been saving up gold and, and gems really couldn't break through. And if you want to come into this this era and you want to play Invade, um, you at this point, if you want to play the combo, like you have a pretty big wall of legendaries now that you have to get best. That's pretty concerning for me because that was one of my favorite things about Invade was like, this is not going to be tier one. This isn't going to be tier two, but it's going to be viable. Like you could at rank 10 throw together an Invade deck by cracking open, you know, 15 or 20, you know, of the packs and you could go play Invade on ladder, probably craft a couple of things that you need and play the Tempo Invade. But now if it's like, oh no, you have to play Combo Invade. It's just not going to be nearly as accessible to people. And that's concerning for me for a, a game where we have not got the announcement of a rotation yet. And so with every expansion, this game becomes more and more inaccessible to new players. Um, and that's a bit concerning to me. I really wanted to see them do a rotation before they released Oblivion because it was one of their, you know, their last mainline RPG games to draw people from the mainline RPG into the card game. I think it would have been nice to have a slightly better, you know, new player environment by having a card rotation before we saw Oblivion come out. I could be wrong about that, but that's definitely my concern with the combo deck. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that it needed nerfed. Like, it was insane. It was, it was insane. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you're going to get a lot of people arguing that it needed to be that it didn't need to be nerfed. I think that, I think it's a pretty a mostly unanimous decision. And I, I think anybody on says, YouTube, but yeah. Yeah, I think anybody who says otherwise is uh, has very little concern for the integrity of the game. Uh, because like well, either that or not a ton well, of experience. I think right? a lot of people just didn't understand how strong it was. I I had a lot of people in YouTube comments that just didn't get it. They were like, No, this thing can't OTK. I'm like, what do you mean? I can make two iron astronauts on turn six. Well especially in a video <laughs> charge you, lethal. Well, especially in a video in which you just did it, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like yeah. it's, um I think that's something interesting to say though too, where people were very concerned about marketing for Jaws of Oblivion. I don't have any like any additional insight on this but i personally if i was in bethesda's position skyrim is your biggest name there's nothing that keeps you from doing like a second skyrim expansion there's nothing at mm -hmm. all it's their ip they can do whatever they want with it so if i was in bethesda's position i feel like they're going to like this is just a guess like i said i don't have any extra knowledge on it i think you rotate out dark brotherhood and skyrim and then you have a skyrim 2 instead of you know heroes or whatever you do some other skyrim thing and that's what you really push you just say this is a skyrim 
you know, not card game necessarily, but a big Skyrim expansion and that you're making it more accessible or something like that. Um, I've also thrown out the ideas to Bethesda before. I have no clue how it was received that making cards buyable through gyms at some point, like Dark Brotherhood, if you're not going to do a rotation, make it where I can just buy Garnag. Like, don't make yeah. me pay, you know, whatever hundred gold so I can get a bunch of meh cards and then a few great ones. Yeah, I mean, the, out of that, you just need Garnag and Sync Pet, you know? <laughs> yeah, just let me get those and be on my way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that would be cool, especially, once again, another thing for newer players that instead of having to save up 3,000 gold to go buy the three pieces of the story, you could get told, hey, there's these three important cards. Just craft these three important cards from this story and purchase this other story because there's more important cards from it. I think that that would be something that would be helpful and and make the game a little bit more. I have never really been a proponent of thinking that this game was inaccessible to a new player because I was a new player. I've been basically free to play and I have like a basically a full collection with a lot of gold and gems saved up. But I played during a different era. I played during the drops era. I played um, I've played quite a bit and I have and I've. I've gotten like right after Skyrim, I was on the early stages of this. So I didn't have this, what seemed to be an insurmountable uh, grouping of legendaries and cards to, to build yeah. up. And, uh, you know, I, I am worried about that new player base. I just hope that we see something that sort of changes that up a bit before they do another really big push to the community. Um, because I just want, like, I don't, I don't know how many more big financial pushes Tesla has in it, right? If if it doesn't turn around a significant payoff and reward. Um, and that's kind of like my concern is we're going to see Elder Scrolls 6 come out. I would imagine that we're going to see an expansion to go along with that whenever it happens. I just hope that whenever that does happen, whether it's now or 2040, um, that we have a really healthy environment for new players when we do get the next really big push for for people from outside of card games to get into this. I think people inside of card games know about this, um, so, but people outside. So you, you were touching on your concern with Invade being a economy issue, right? Um, and I want to get Silver's impression of this, and I, I want to refrain from being um, overly critical, because on the whole, I actually quite liked um, Jaws of Oblivion. Um, I think I had more favorable impressions of it um, early than I did of Moons, although I think Moons grew on me pretty heavily over time. Um, but, uh, of course, the combo invade, I'm kind of holding that as a bit of an aberration. Uh, I liked a lot of the things that were in it, especially as it pertained to buffing um, less viable archetypes, specifically and from a selfish point of view, ones that I like. Uh, but uh, self damage warrior, <laughs> uh, self damage warrior. I love my uh, gosh, the worldly wander is my guy. Worldly wander, I've been doing everything under the sun with that guy, and I, I just can't stop playing him. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, so the what I was what I was referring to though is, and I want Silver's impression of this. My biggest concern with Invade is the design implications for the future. Um, because I've got to, I gotta ask the question, like. And I've seen this posited other places, so I know it's not just me. Is there's got to be some concern with this random keyword thing, right? Could like 
I get that these gates were evolving. They clearly had a great idea. Okay, we want these gates to grow and get bigger and do more things. And you've got the first three levels are so cool. Oh, plus one defense. And then and then you can discount. And then you, you know, and then you just get to the point where, well, well, we're out of ideas. Uh, so keywords, that's the old fallback, right? It feels like keywords are the fallback when they can't think of something a little bit more nuanced um to, to include instead and, and that kind of concerns me not necessarily even for invade but just the longevity of, of the game and the mechanics and are we going to see even more of that i think i mean everyone seems to be a little fed up with keywords and the idea that this big like you know high hyped up thing the payoff is keywords um I would say on that, the, I think the reason it was random keywords, I would guess, is because, the well, theme-wise, that fits blue, and Invade is partially a blue mechanic. I mean, it's all kind of a group sharing with the Guild Sworn, but I feel like that's part of the reason. I don't necessarily think it's because they couldn't think of anything else. I, like, if I were to kind of try to go in the dev shoes here, I think they wanted something that did appeal to a lot of people, at least to start. People like seeing them make these really big mini Dagothers. Like, that is something people like. But after a bit, people realize, like, this actually isn't that fun anymore. Like, like this happens with pretty much any mechanic. And sometimes the mechanic dies. Sometimes it just kind of sticks around for a bit. I'm trying not to lose my train of thought here. But I feel like that because... They knew that, I mean, this thing ramps up really quickly. Like, I yeah. feel like they knew that it was going to be multiple keywords quickly and less RNG heavy than what the community thinks. I do, however, personally, as lo- as far as, like, Reddit and at least competitive side goes, most people do not like the random keywords. So I think seeing that feedback probably has an impact on them. Obviously, I, I don't think it's seen that way from, you know, what most of the community is below rank five, like, or only yeah. plays casual. So I don't think they see it that way. I think they just say, like, oh, I got, you know, Rally, or, oh, I got Lethal. Like, it's not a huge deal to them in most cases. And I think we're kind of stuck in this bubble where we only see, like, one group of people's opinions on it which i agree with those people's opinions i'll say (laughs) but i think if you're looking at the health of the game overall our opinion doesn't matter as much i hate saying it that way like it's you want to focus on the fun aspect for people that even you know that we don't really see i don't think though that means that everything's going to be this big flashy thing, random keywords and things like that. I think this was kind of a one-time thing, I would assume, and I think they really were trying to push something more thematic that people could just, you know, people really love being able to type in the box like invade or Khajiit or sure. you know insert thing here, Daedra, and just being able to make a deck that way. It, I think it is really good for new players, kind of like what you said. Most of the cards were commons and rares, and you can just kind of put invade, and it, you're going to build a deck. That is pretty sweet, honestly, from a new player deck-building perspective. Obviously, it's not great for competitive scene, because we want... Uh, well, of course, the combo actually was kind of cool to see people work on a combo again yeah. and make a new deck. We hadn't seen a new deck, because, like... Previous expansion, oh, Alfie, we'll just put that in mid-BM, call it good. Like, it was literally just <laughs> yeah, yeah. one for the other. So it was cool seeing people's yeah. deck building being used again. I really like that aspect. Um, So I guess I wouldn't say I'm too worried about it. I feel like this was 
kind of just trying to reach to a a certain audience. And I personally am not part of that audience, but I don't think it's going to ruin the game for me or in the future. And I don't think random keywords is always going to be the go-to, but I can definitely see where you would like see that yellow flag where you'd be like, oh no, this is going to be an issue in the future. And I also think that as far as the timing of these go... Uh, Moons of Elsewhere was right before the championship series, and that was very much a, you know, it was really, honestly, it was a few good cards, and I think Wax and Wing was a great mechanic, I thought it was a lot of fun, but it was, it felt very nice for the competitive community, I would say, so it felt, I'd be a lot more annoyed if Invade was put out right before the, um, the championship and I feel like they did that on purpose too like I feel like this was definitely planned to be this way so I feel like they have both people in mind it's Mm -hmm. just being shown in different ways where hey we got the MOE and I personally love that expansion even though it wasn't super high impact and then we had the invade after after our championship and stuff again so I would think like hey next year I don't think they're going to be putting out a big invade random keyword in you know April May June July when we have master series Instead, they're going to probably put in something more, like I said, a bit competitive-focused, and then after that, yeah. I feel like we'll get another fun mechanic. I, I could just see that cycle kind of happening, is my guess. Yeah, Moons was definitely a little more subdued, I'd say, or understated when it comes to the... Com- obviously, without Feek being the aberration. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I but yeah. Was just amazing. I will, yeah, I will say I will say one thing that I think... I, I totally like what you said, and I think the best... My favorite thing about what you said was... Uh, it's a yellow flag. It's not a red flag. And we're not there yet. <laughs> but I think I think a yellow flag is, is the best way. Uh, I I think is where I'm at standing with it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if uh, next expansion expansion after that was still just <laughs> random keywords. I'm I honestly don't know if CVH would be able to handle that. <laughs> yeah. We'll bump it yeah. up. Uh, Defcon one there. Uh, but. Yeah, no, I will say one thing, though. I, I think there is something important. You were talking about the majority of uh, the player base not being us, right? Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a really important thing to mention. But I, I would also kind of maybe, like, push back on the idea that, like, we're also the most, like, vocal and present. And a lot of the opinions of people are formed or at least influenced by ours. Um, and I think we can see that when things like Reddit start spiraling after, you know, someone with a little bit of influence kind of casts their vote, if you will, on whether something's good or bad or whatever. And um, I think it's important to both appeal to the masses, if you will, uh, but also to keep the most vocal and uh, public faces from imploding. <laughs> is a hard thing to do right it's that question of like how do you go really deep with your deep players and how do you go really wide with your player base yeah um and that's not an easy that's not an easy thing to do and i think invade had a really good goal of that with a one aberration that once it came into being that they we had this combo deck that got discovered and well let's just let's just say like they responded really well like they responded really really well i mean we were talking like within a couple of days we got a response like hey we're not going to be able to change it uh well it came out no it came out on the invade deck came out on sunday became really popular right on monday didn't they release a statement then and say hey we recognize it we have a patch coming out oh you're saying that they they acknowledged yeah yeah Yeah, they acknowledged it like within the day and wasn't it then wednesday of that week that Uh, they made the swap i think it was out for like a week 
I know I that. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I, I could know, be wrong. No, there wasn't. No. There was only one gauntlet with it, right? There was the yeah. ga- well. There was the gauntlet during Warp Meta, which I yeah. yeah. It was during that, but the next gauntlet didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that patch was. I guess was that a. Because we didn't even get a full patch yeah. to make the nerf. You're right. You, I, I guess it was a little less than a week. Yeah, yeah. because the surplus Scotland didn't have invade. So, yeah, it was less than a week. That was pretty yeah. quick. Yeah, I mean, they did a, an, an incredible turnaround on it. Like, from yeah. Sunday to Wednesday. Like, th- or Sunday to Thursday, one or the other. Like, they made, like, a little quick update. You logged in, and they're like, hey, just so you know, we've changed this about invade. Those changes were when you either... You change the field for a gate, which means not – I don't think it means swapping fields like a shadow shift, but it means if you were the to put a gate play. in your graveyard or that gate yeah. would come into your hand, it goes back to level one. So you cannot copy a, a level six gate to get a level six gate in your hand. Yeah. The other thing is your gates now cost three instead of zero, which means it is, it's way more expensive to combo unless you're using – Fear Totem, which is a yeah. prophecy, returns something to someone's hand and reduces its cost by three, which has, has found a really good place. So, Silver, you've now released a video kind of looking at is Invade combo still viable or isn't it viable? And I'm curious to know kind of like what your opinion is now that we've had the nerf. Um, is it uh, is it oh, my gosh, this deck, they didn't do enough. Is it they overdid it and this deck is dead or is it like, hey, this is actually kind of perfect. Uh, personally, I put it like it's still a tier one, tier two. It's still playable. I don't think it's obviously it's not to the same power level, not even close to the same power level. There's more of a chance for aggro to do something against it. But I feel like uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's more high rolling now. Obviously, drawing fear totem is one of the issues. But now there's a lot more times where you kind of do like this partial combo where you're getting some creatures up but not all of them and you are relying on hitting the keywords in some cases where you're half comboing so hitting the right keywords can be a lot more critical now which means that's more variance in the rng that you've added to the deck which i dislike that part i personally am i haven't fully made up my mind but i don't really like changing the gate to three mana um it just the fact too that tinkering can now really high roll too is a little bit gross that you can make a turn five creature on turn two. I, mean, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I did that and I got this silly assassin beetle of five mana two two play a prophecy from your hand and I was a bit disappointed. I was hoping for some sort of revenge for a great YouTube moment. But <laughs> I I think the I think the change is okay, I guess is what I'll say. It's not my favorite. I don't care for the way that the combo plays out still i don't think that that kind of combo should still be one of the best decks in the game i would probably put it there i'd have to play a bit more but i think it's still up there um i would prefer it to be like a tier three tier four deck something that every once in a while cheeses out the win but something that you can play consistently on ladder when it still can be a turn six combo sometimes because you got scout and fear totem i personally don't find that fun um and the keyword aspect too what Ian's brought up a few times. I personally don't find that fun. Even if I'm playing the deck, I'm like, oh, cool, I got the charge lethal. Sorry, opponent, I guess I'm luckier. Yeah. But so I don't like that being one of the top, like one of the better decks in the game. I'm fine with it existing, but I want it to be more of the tier three, tier four, something that I wouldn't see in a tournament, but something I'd see on ladder occasionally. Mm. How about you, Ian? You got thoughts on the, the changes that they made? To be honest, I'm not super familiar. I mean, I know the, the changes, I know, but I haven't seen the videos yet. Um, 
I actually started watching Silver Fuse's video, uh, and I was watching it in bed, and I ended up falling asleep. Sorry, it was not uh, you. <laughs> you <laughs> but, had a really uh, long day. Okay. I, yeah. Oh no, no. I mean, so I, I was up for uh, 19 hours. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I thought I would watch a video right before bed. It was stupid, but uh, but I intended to to go back and watch it because I was interested to see what the changes were. But the first change should have been what it was from the beginning. Like, leaving field of play, resetting to zero, that should have always been the case. Oh, yeah. I The first time when I used Belly G against it, I was like, what? This thing is still is the same? It actually has no effect, and I can't silence it? That feels a bit unfair. I mean, it was, it was to the point where I assumed that's what it would be, right? And when it wasn't, yeah. I was shocked. I was like, this made it through testing? What? <laughs> Why? Uh, but uh, the second one, yeah, I guess. I'm not... Again, I didn't play it. I'm I'm that I've kind of realized I'm a bit of a Tessel hipster. I'm just like if it's popular, I never I just don't want to play it. Which is bad. I should play more competitive stuff. But I did that all during the Master Series. I played all the competitive things so I know how they worked. And now I'm just still riding that wave of uh post caster lethargy. Uh so um uh, but I I don't know. I I guess I'm not overall super qualified to judge the results because i haven't played it but the first thing man how did that make it to testing i don't know i really don't know well as soon as we got the nerf i tried it with ring of lordship because for some reason in my brain when you played ring of lordship it lowered the cost of cards in your hand of the same type (laughs) by two so i was like i will just play scamp get a gate ring of lordship the gate for one and drop all of my gates to only cost one mana that's not how Ring of Lordship works. And it was very frustrating <laughs> when I realized that halfway through the game. Yeah. Um, but actually, I realized that I also thought that Fear Totem lowered it by two, not by three. So as it turns out, I actually don't know what any of the cards in the game do. Um, but <laughs> somehow I made it to Legend. Um, so uh, I really um, – I tried it, and I thought that the – you're right. Like there's, there's. It seemed like there was way more times that when you did go off, it was two gates instead of three gates. Um, and when you did go off, you would roll maybe five or six at or four or six out of eight keywords instead of all eight keywords, in order because you were kind of at the point where you were being pressured enough now that you were like, okay, like I have to go off. I don't have a choice. I'm gonna lose next turn. I can't do eight keywords, but I can get six on them. And hopefully I'm going to get the charge warden lethal. Hopefully I don't miss some of that. I really, really need to rule charge. I hope I don't miss charge by one of these two keywords. And um, it did feel a little bit more high rolly in that way. At the same time, the deck felt a lot more fair. Like it felt a lot more beatable, um, which is something that I want to see from a combo deck. Like I want to see a combo deck struggle to pull it off. I think there's going to be some refinement that you're going to see, because I've seen some of the decks, the Guild Sworn ones sort of going around that are still running more than just Fear Totem for returning cards to your hand. Um, And I think you're going to see more of them do like draw and removal um, and, and maybe slow down a little bit more even and, and try to maybe only use Fear Totem or maybe the zero cost return a, a creature to your hand. Um, We'll kind of see. I don't. I don't know how it's going to pan out. I don't think it's going to be tier one. Um, I don't think I will mind playing against it, but there's there's rarely going to be a time that it's going to feel good to have it go off against you. 
but yeah. I, I don't know. I guess losing's kind of like, not fun though. So like, I that whenever somebody's like, this, you know, this uh, losing to this deck is always terrible. My 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 go to response, my gut response is losing feels terrible. It doesn't matter how it goes usually. Losing, losing to a turn six Iron Astronauta charge though feels a lot worse than losing yeah. in other but, ways. But like, though. Well, I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if we're looking at like the so like. Empire Abomination is like there's definitely exceptions like Empire Bomb and like uh you know the t- the pre nerf combo invade yeah I mean I I get that for sure um mm-hmm. I will say though like I don't know I I feel like I feel like one of the things that's tough about card games in general is and, and I know I struggle with it I mean I have definitely not overwhelmingly objective about things like hallowed death priest um so this is a little bit of uh the pot calling the kettle black uh but it's so hard to delineate emotional responses you know from the the context of what actually happened um it's it's it makes this it makes discussing card games so difficult especially with especially with other people and you don't have a personal relationship with them and you, you know it that's why there's so much vitriol in the in the uh the gamer environment a lot of times is because people have a hard time and, and by nature struggle to to split their emotional reactions you know with a critical analysis you know and some players do that way better than others but uh uh yeah so uh, i don't know i just had that thought when you were talking about feels like it feels bad to lose to it and oh no that that's fair i mean yeah to be fair i don't like losing you that but i don't feel a whole lot better losing to agra crusader or um conscription telvani either i guess (laughs) right and they're not they're not combo decks um it definitely i think i don't know i've got to play a little bit more to see how it feels to lose against the new invade combo i know how it felt to lose to the old invade (laughs) combo and that's probably a much different feeling because I feel like you didn't really do anything to earn that. Um, <laughs> and in the new invade combo, it'll probably feel like, okay, like you, you did like the old path mage deck. I was like, Hey man, you can do that much math in your head while clicking that fast. That's really impressive. Like, can I, can I just remind uh, the listeners that Mark said he's going to have to do some testing to see how it feels to lose against a new combo invade? I got to get out there and lose, man. I got to get out there and feel how it feels. I got to get out there and get some lose. losses in so I can really analyze this deck. I think, That's kind of true. Uh, I think people just generally feel worse about listening to a combo deck. doesn't matter if they lose on turn 6 or turn 20. People yeah. just don't like being OTK'd. Because it's not a good feeling. It's like, oh, like, generally people feel like they couldn't have stopped it. And usually in, like, something that's later in the game, yeah, you could have stopped it. You could have been the aggressor or stuff. Obviously, in the old invade combo, no. No, you really, most cases, you could not stop it. So that's why it felt so bad. But now I feel like you have more of a chance now as aggro. Um, yeah, for sure. Also, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, too, I personally, like, and I made two pitches, like, on my YouTube channel of what I think should happen. I more or less wanted to kill the combo. Um, I pretty much said that whenever it returns a hand, it needs to go back to level one. But I also said that I felt like it should either make it where it says gates are not stackable, and that would just be it, force it to be a tempo deck, or that you your first Daedra is le- one less cost instead of all Daedra are one less cost. 
So you could get um, a two discount Daedra and then the rest of them would be the same after that. And I feel like that is more fair because being able to spam all the Daedra for all these stats, I felt like was the more unfair part too. Even without the keywords, just being able to fill up your board like that on turn six is a bit ridiculous. Like it's just not a board that can be dealt with. So that those are like my two big things on it, which like I said, more or less kills the combo, but I felt okay with that because I felt like it was meant to be more of a tempo thing anyway. So I feel like yeah. that also, that was my thought on it. Yeah, well, I never thought about that for the discounting. My, my thought was you can never have more than one gate on the board yeah. at a time. When you play one, you have to, if you have one on the board, you have to choose one to get rid of. You have to choose one to sacrifice. It's like that felt very much so in the spirit of what they were trying to do. And it yeah. kind of felt like it upheld the spirit of what the mechanic was about because it forced you into tempo. That just made a lot of sense to me. Um, but you know, they did what they did. We'll see how it rolls out. The reason I didn't like the can't play more than one gate is because I felt like that complicated it too much for a player that hadn't played legends before. If you can read does not stack with other gates, you would understand that. But having a random gate, like let's say someone flipped it back over a belly G and you have this gate in your hand and you're like, why can't I play this? Like, this doesn't make sense. So I felt like saying gates aren't stackable. is just like really clear and concise and anyone can figure out what that means versus if you have this gate in your hand and it's not hovered in blue and you don't know why it's not in blue and why can't I play this? So I think that that was my reasoning for it is it's just easier for people to understand what's going on then. And you're not forced to have a dead card in your hand, which is really frustrating to me personally. Mm. Yeah, that's fair too. Well, there's a lot of ways that they could have gone about it. They went about it the way they did. We'll have to see. Um, just out of curiosity, I mean, it, it, it's sad that amongst all of this, we also got a bunch of cards that were buffed, um, which isn't something that, quite honest, like, there's not a lot of card games that do that. Um, was there any of the buffs that stuck out to you guys that you really liked, that you've experimented with? Um, I personally really haven't. I mean, I should have, like, I would have liked to, but I've been experimenting with whether or not you can still make Invade combo work. So I haven't really messed around <laughs> with a lot of the cards that they actually put the buff on. Um, have either of you guys uh, tried out any of the, the buffed cards? I've been playing some Hunter Killers. Same. Same, actually, yeah. I mean, it's it feels like cards that have been like a good arena card, if they get buffed a little bit, that they're like they're already kind of like fringe constructed playable. I don't know how I feel about Hunter Killers, but I mean, Hand Buff Router is just so popular right now, so it made sense just to toss it in there. <laughs> I slapped it in my uh, Doomcrag Warrior hand buffing variant, you know, which, uh, and that was performing excellently. I only had the one copy. Uh, it wasn't even my idea. It was Neon Greensleeve's idea. So well done, sir. Uh, but uh, it, I mean, it was great. It was really great. Uh, I mean, there's a couple times where I would buff it up and get, you know, with the moon touched guardian or there was times when i would get uh already have doom crag down and i'd get the double kill there oh it felt so cool and like that card is so cool that i love playing with cards that like you don't you wouldn't touch otherwise you know it's just that's a good feeling now um, the, this is the am i right this is the veteran that went from a 2-4 to a 3-4 right no 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 the hunter killer hunter is the, killer Seven mana, three, four. Now it's six mana, three, four. And when you summon it, it battles an enemy creature and then battles another enemy creature. So if you kill the first one and live, you can attack another one. You can uh, also cancel the battles, too. So say mm -hmm. if you kill one and it's alive and you don't want to kill something else, you can cancel that attack, too. So it's pretty flexible. 
Yeah, and, mm. and when you when you put it next to Doomcrag and it gets lethal, that feels really good. Kill their little thing and then kill their biggest thing. Ah, so fun. <laughs> Interesting. I, 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 I haven't had that card played against me yet. I, I don't play it, so. I will say, I think the Inspiring Kinsman buff is good. I don't personally know how, if it'll stick around or not. I think there was this big like gut reaction from several people saying, oh, it's so good now because it doesn't die to execute. And I'm like, if it dies to execute, they still get the plus two, plus two hand buff. Like that doesn't, I don't know if I'd feel good executing it anyways. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so like that was never really my opposition to it. My opposition to it was how understated it was. And it's still understated and rally such a slow mechanic. I don't know. I, I think it's way better. Three attack trees and more things. It's better, clearly. Uh, but the one I expect to make, I'm gonna just like I'll probably be wrong, you know. I was right about I was right about the one mana one one invade guy, uh, because I was like this card's really really good. Everyone's like it's just a one mana one one. I'm like it's a one mana two five. <laughs> but uh, uh, but no, I I think the renowned instructor is like the most promising in my opinion. Um, that one is that one the 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 new it's a three mana now three four with um yeah. inspiration summon a one one recruit well, it's expertise expertise uh, sure yeah yeah but, but I know yeah, the summon... cards I know the cards I know the names of the cards <laughs> uh, sure but yeah I mean going from three three to three four is really really relevant um I mean it's three like three drops are three drops trade more than any other drop in the game um and they're also like the they're also one of the like the point where like two drops are the most important because of the ring um but three drops kind of cement your curve and so having a three uh three mana three four is a big difference from a three mana three three because two drops half of them have three attack they don't now it doesn't now trade to most of the two drops and of course slinking jackal and mournhold trader exist but whatever I'm, I'm ignoring that um but i think really the bigger thing is tokens never go out of style like mm -hmm. like tokens never go out of style so just because uh, we may not see it in a lot of token decks because of the vast, ridiculous, huge amount of options the tokens have, which is uncanny. Um, I mean, we're getting to the point now where, like, the card saturation is so big. I mean, we talk about rotation, and I, for me, it's just like, I mean, I, I build any deck. I built, I built a, for example, I built the Goblin Aggro Monk deck that I went, like, 12-0 and 0 with and grinded up three ranks into Legend. Um and I sat there, and I was like, I am playing Aggressive Monk, and I'm not playing Golden Initiate, I'm not playing Pinnitus Oculatus Agent, and I'm not playing East March Crusader. What the hell is going on, right? But there's so many damn cards now. There's so many. Uh, but I think, like, you know, down the road, Renowned Instructor is that card that was like a, it's almost worth playing. And sometimes people will tech it in there. Sometimes in Guild Sworn tokens or Guild Sworn you know, aggro-y, mid-rangey decks, whatever. But I think that increase of the defense is going to mean it's going to be slotted into a lot more things because it's got a bigger argument for existing on the board and getting its value across multiple turns because it doesn't die as fast. And if there's a rotation, I think that card is going to be a top-tier option in tokens. And watch me eat my words. Does um, someone want to recruit? Do you know if it's in the same lane, a different lane, or a random lane? Pretty sure it's the same lane. Same lane. That helps quite a bit. 
Uh, I think for this, like, if I were to put that card in anything right now, I'd put it into a Dragon Knight, the mage card, the 3-2, that buffs every time you do an action. Because mm-hmm. I think the biggest downside of the card right now is the expertise. Like, if you want to put it in Seder, you have Crusader's Assault, and you have Scimitar, and Divine Forever, I guess. But after that, you don't really have too many activators, and if you're playing Divine Fervor, you probably already, like, you're either making some great trades or you're already pretty ahead. So I feel like that's the issue for it. So that's why I kind of say, like, hey, this is actually kind of more of a mage card where I'm kind of playing a hybrid between the two. Sure. But mage and tokens has been out of style for a bit, but I think Ian's right in that case of, hey, if there's a rotation, token mage could come right back. Or if yeah. there's just a card that really supports it. You never really know. They could really print a spell sword card that really supports it, too. Like, it's really hard to say with these type of cards when they are something like Expertise, which requires just a different build overall. Like, to build an Expertise deck, you can't just be like, alright, it's Seder, and here's my Crusader's Assault, and good. <laughs> like, yeah. and it's still a 1-1 recruit. It's not pulling something, like, super swinging. Even, like, even if it was, like, a 1-2 or a 2-1, like, that makes a huge difference in these kind of cards. But when it's a 1-1, how much do you want to build your deck around getting an extra 1-1? So that's why I think you have to kind of push it a bit to really get it to work. But, I mean, it's not a card I'd say, like, no, nah, this is never going to be good. Yeah. It's something that I'd say it's up in the air because it kind of depends what devs print and if there's rotations. <laughs> well, and I think there's also, like, some cards that in past token variants, um, like, like think, like, Scouting Patrol, right? Um, yeah. You know, scout, I, I used to play, you know, two to three Scouting Patrols in a lot of builds. Um, and then, of course, you know, as, like, frankly, like, when Tribunal... Uh, like removal, hard removal tribunal became the defining element for like four months, right? Um, everybody's like, well, I have to play with it in cultist, which means my actions have to be really freaking good if I'm going to run them, which means the scouting patrol got cut and now there's better one drop. So it's kind of like, okay, I'd rather have, you know, a, uh, a rebel uh, or no, uh, not rebel warden, uh, the moon, moon something, the one mana, one, four, one, five, that on turn one, that one, the, the lunar one, or I'd rather have, you know, that's the one. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I'd la- rather have that, or I'd rather have some other one drop than, uh, marked mans are mud obviously crab, marked mud man. crabs. Yeah. Uh, especially if we're looking at like our mud crabby, uh, you know, salty's assault, which is an entirely different animal. So like, uh, well, although that is an action, uh, you know, that'll trigger it. If well, I, I think that, um, but, Again, got finished. No, that. no, I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, I think there's a world like when Withered Hand Cultist becomes not necessary or rotated out. Which I've talked to to Ian bits about uh, this, and he basically thinks that the world will end, or at least at the time, which was a couple months ago, the world will end if Withered Hand Cultist goes away. Uh, <laughs> and I, I kind, I do kind of agree. Yeah. <laughs> So it's tough, right? Because Wither Hand Cultist presents that idea like, okay, if you're playing Crusader at least, and I think that's where it just runs right back to what Silver just said, which is I think that's a card that really capitalizes in Mage or Monk, maybe if you if Token Monk ever becomes a thing. Um, but like, it, but you know, with Wither Hand Cultist there, it, those Scouting Patrols, which otherwise I feel like would be worth playing, especially how they enable Pit Lion, um, really simply. But <sighs> I don't know. J23 Flow, and I don't know if that's Flow or who it is, but J23 Flow in chat said uh, it's 1-1 and it's neutral, and if it's willpower, it would be insane. I think that's a good point, that if it was willpower and enabled some of the willpower activated cards, 
Um, like the the guy that lets you draw a card if you have two willpower creatures and things. In prison. Um, yeah, in prison. Okay. Um, I do think that it would be significantly more powerful. The fact that it is a neutral does it does it does matter. Although, yeah. uh, being neutral it does mean it can receive buffs uh, from the Dwarven Dynamo, should you wish to pair it with Old Salty's Assault and neutral Dwemery things. Now, because, um, like, the three-drop slot there is, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, pretty weak when it comes to the neutral packages, right? Um, yeah, Dwarven Sphere. Dwarven Sphere. And <laughs> yeah. That's about it. Isn't there right. a guy, isn't there a three-cost three-three that well, summons there's the, a little guy? Oh, Mechanical there's Ally. The, one, the Mechanical Ally, but you have to make sure, like, you know, it's 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 an interesting balancing act. But you're right. Um, it, if it was willpower, it would be better. But I mean, like, heck, I don't really play. I play like one in prison in my like heavy yellow token decks, and that's it. Um, I just don't know if there's that much that really makes a difference. And just like I said, like you can go the other way and say, all right, well, it's, since it's neutral, I can take advantage of it. I actually had fun playing uh, a spell sword variant that used it, and then used the uh, uh, hulking fabricant. Uh, that was fun. I think Hulking Fabricant, I don't know. I don't think it's good, but I think it's really, it can be overwhelming if they don't have the answer right away. Five man eight eights feel real good. It's quite fun in arena. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and a Definitely lot of those, done that a few times. And a lot of those neutrals are actually pretty solid in arena, like a Dwarven Sphere in arena. Like, yeah, I'll take that. A Reflective Automaton. Hell yeah, I'll take that. You know? <laughs> Uh, the neutrals don't feel as bad. Lurking Crocs, like, there's some really good, you know, that, like, neutrals that get edged out simply because, you know, in Constructed, like I said, there's so many dang cards in the game, there's usually something better than a neutral, uh, but it, you're right, like, Hulking Fabricant in that arena format feels real good. And I need to play some ranked arena, you know what? I need to do that. I need to do that. I, I tell you what, we've, um, obviously, there's been a lot of news, and we didn't even discuss the monthly card, the orc yet. Um, there's probably more news that we could talk about, but I do want to get to talking to Silver specifically, hearing from her a little bit. Um, so why don't we go ahead and take this just opportunity. We're going to wrap up the news. Let's go ahead and move on to our guest Q&A segment. You're so sweet. I could just eat you up. Okay, during our guest Q&A segment, it's our opportunity to ask our guest questions, uh, and uh, DBN tries to write some sort of trivia uh, to, to stump you now, um, which is great, but especially with someone who's on for the first time on the show like you are, Silver, um, our first question is always just tell us about yourself, what got you into Tessel, what got you into streaming, um, not necessarily what's your gaming pedigree, but just like... You know, what What got you involved here? Because this isn't the largest community. You are really heavily involved and invested in it. Um, you know, what got you to where you are now? Well, I grew up playing video games and played a lot in high school and college. And more or less, I was finishing college up at the time, and I was actually working full-time and going to college full-time. So I was working in a lab and going to college. So I literally just kind of, like, wake up, work for nine hours, and then go to class for between three to six hours. And I'm someone who was always just kind of a workaholic to an extent. I just always like doing things, and it's how I get my mind off of things. And I was also a bit bored. I was not really meeting up with too many people because I was at work and then school, working at school. Like, I had friends there, but 
I didn't really have any just social time, dedicated to social time. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start streaming. And I'd always wanted to be a streamer for like two or three years before that. I just didn't have the computer for it and I didn't have internet that really worked for it. It just, it was mostly an internet issue really. And I had finally gotten internet I could use. So I started streaming pretty much every time, like uh, after class, I would stay up later than I really should have for work or right before class I would stream. And I did that very consistently. And then like Friday, Saturdays, I'd stream eight to 10 hours a day. Like I just streamed a lot and I mostly streamed like PUBG and then I had played Hearthstone in the past, but it had fallen off for me for a bit. And I was like, you know what? I actually really like card games. I should start streaming card games. I'm actually pretty okay at them too. So I was like, all right, I'll, play card games so I didn't want to play Hearthstone because I'd missed like two or three months and if you and I was free to play completely free to play in Hearthstone after playing two and a half years I missed literally three months and I'm too far behind to really catch up on a collection without paying a bunch of money so I was like all right well I'm gonna just find another card game so I scrolled through Twitch and I ended up finding Legends and saw it was free to play and downloaded it and I just streamed right there like I downloaded the game right before my stream and just started streaming it that was it <laughs> like I streamed myself playing the tutorial even like I just did it all and I really liked the game and then I actually had to take a little bit of a break I played from December to February December 2017 to February 2018 took a break because I had to finish up school I was just too busy at the time and then back on May I started again May of 2018 and I just kept going from there so part of it was me being bored and wanting to talk to people and I just didn't really have creative outlets. I was, you know, very sciencey and stuff, but I wanted to just be able to make things and enjoy some time with people. So that's really what got me there, I would say. Hmm. Interesting. And, and and Legends has just kind of been the card game that stuck. But you're doing some Mythgard stuff now too, right? Yes. Okay. Is there any other card games that you are interested in? Like wanting, I mean. Uh, you said you played PUBG some too. Is card games kind of like your, that's kind of like your jam now? Do you play a lot of games that aren't card games outside of streaming? Um, I mean, I used to play like League of Legends and Overwatch beforehand, but I haven't touched those games for a while. And I like some of the simulation games, like, like Roller Coaster Tycoon S games. I played Planet Coaster quite a bit. I like building things. But for the most part, it's been card games. I'm interested in Legends of Runeterra, uh, mm -hmm. just because, I mean, Riot's going to do really well in a game. Right now, I have a lot of criticisms for that game, and but I can't really be... <laughs> too harsh on it because obviously they're still building on their core set and a lot of my issues are like well this is way too powerful but it does kind of seem a little bit more focused on quicker games a little bit more like mobile quick games that you can play on you know on a car ride or a train ride not that there's anything wrong with it but i'm someone who mostly when i play i sit down my pc and i'm like ready to go <laughs> so i don't know if those if that game will really fit with what i'm looking for or not is an issue but there's also, I mean, like I said, Riot's going to put out a good product. So I think I'll end up liking it, even though I have a lot of criticisms for it right now. 
But for the most part, I play card games. I like the idea of doing a bit more single-player content games, which is just, like, you know, the new hits. Like, I'm really excited for Ori and the Will of the Wisp that comes out in February 2019. Like, I can see myself playing that some. So, like, a little, I want to sprinkle a bit of variety here and there, but really my main focus is going to be Legends and Mythgard, I would say. I haven't really decided... Like, if I want to do things with Runeterra or not, I want to try to balance everything if I can, but it's probably not realistic. Mm, but, mm-hmm. yeah, Legends still has my heart, and Mythgard is pulling at its strings, too, so I'm going to mostly be focusing on those two, I would say. Interesting. What was that uh, What was that first game, right? You said that you grew up as a gamer, right? That's something yeah. that you grew up doing. What was that, if you look back, what was that first game that really triggered that for you? Right, like, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, Super Mario 2 on the Game Boy Advance, I would say. Um, okay. My parents got me that. My dad specifically got a Game Boy for me when I was, like, eight or something around that age, seven, eight. So we're pretty young, and they also got me a PS2 pretty early on. My dad is an engineer and also was a really big gamer. Like, he's, he's a giant nerd, too. So growing up, and, of course, he was like, yeah, let's do this, and... Got a PS2, and I played Jack and Daxter a lot, Ratchet and Clank, a lot of the um, just kind of just adventure-type games, and I absolutely love those. I love the exploration of it, and oh, I just have a really great memories playing with my dad. Like, we would stay up, you know, past midnight together playing. Like, it was... Like, that's been my whole life, really, is uh, my dad got me really into it. And then I got, you know, I saved enough money to buy myself a Nintendo DS later. And then I got into PC gaming, um, high school slash college, kind of both. I went to college when I was 16 a bit early, and I got into PC gaming then because they gave us these, like, little loner laptops. We had terrible internet, but we had a laptop, so... I was able, like, a bunch of the guys were playing it in my dorm, and they would stay up, like, to 3, 4 a.m. playing this game. I was like, you know what? If they're staying up that late to play this game, it's got to be really good. Like, that was my thought process. So I was like, I, it was free to play. All right, I'll download it. So me and my one of my roommates uh, downloaded it together and started playing, and we all just kind of played together. We had these giant, like, little land parties in our own dorm and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. So, I just have a lot of good memories with gaming. I think I went off on a tangent there, but... <laughs> no, no, no. That's okay. That's great, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when we all think back, we can think back to that game that really... Right, that we got. Yeah. Like, it clicked. It was one of the first games. I mean, I had games before this because I, I imagine I'm a little... I think I'm a little bit older than you, and so, like, the first games that were out were, like, my cousin's Macintosh, and it was, like, Shufflepuck, right? Um, yeah. But then... Like, later, the first game that, like, really clicked was coming home with my younger brother playing Heroes of Might and Magic 3 um, on our computer every single day. And that was the first game that it wasn't just, like, I was playing and dying. It was that I was playing and it clicked for me. And that launched me into sort of, like, base-building RPG, turn-based strategy-style games um, that, that really have been a love of mine ever since then. And I think our first game experiences do connect that. And I think that those are those are powerful first experiences for gamers. That first game that clicked and itched that spot in your brain and it just like launched you into a life of, of really um, loving video games. Um, and I think that's really cool. 
I kid yeah. you not. I kid you not, Mark. My sister, my little sister, and I still play Heroes of Might and Magic Three. We pass and play uh, when I go and visit uh, uh, my family. Uh, wow. She still lives. She still lives with my parents, uh, and she's going to college soon. But uh, yeah, I'll sit there and we'll, we'll sit there and, and just pass and play as we're sitting around uh, in the living room. So oh, it's such a good game. But they need to bring yeah, you're totally right. Like, tap, but... <laughs> like those formative experiences, right? And I, I love hearing that. Like I. Like, I don't know. I think it's so cool, especially like, you know, honestly, and, and like, so that, that's a very similar story for, from, you know, my dad, it was the big, was a, he is, he is a huge, I still play card games with him. Like he, he downloaded Mythgard the other day. I was like, that's sick. Yes. Download it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's, it's really cool to hear that because I, I mean, I, like when I used to do the, uh, the interviews on, um, for the, the TRS YouTube before we started doing this. Um, that was one of the questions I always loved hearing. That was my favorite question. It's like, what got you started? So like, that was awesome. You, you didn't go off on a tangent. That's what we wanted to hear. Yeah. So yeah. we got a couple of questions in over Discord, um, Silver. One of them was, um, what can uh, other Tesla players do to encourage better gender balance in the game? And you had sort of commented on that really briefly before we got started. Um, yeah, I personally think it's less about the like obviously there's some issues with the way people treat women You've, we've all heard about it before but i think really most of it really starts young where i've talked about i'm a teacher so i see the way students interact with each other like i remember growing up i would bring a ds and game boy to school every day and there were like two other girls who would do it so we were all best friends because no other girls did that and we were obviously a little bit more of the like odd ones you know the nerds that you know we kept to ourselves but we were happy and really, I didn't get teased for it as much as you hear pretty much everyone say, like, I got bullied and teased. I guess I was fortunate and I didn't really have an issue. And if it did happen, I was just too oblivious to know um, I'm that kind of person sometimes. But when I see the kids that I'm teaching right now, the girls and boys all know Minecraft. They all know what's going on with it. They all know what's going on in Fortnite. And the boys aren't, you know, like, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, talking. I've, I've had one time where a boy, like, told a girl she was probably wasn't very good at Fortnite because she was a girl. I said, you know what? She's, I, I, I had to jump in. And I just told him, <laughs> she's probably better than you are. And he looked at me like, like. And he was like, seriously? And I was like, yeah, she probably is. And she just kind of sat there and smiled. And that was the end of that. But generally, I haven't seen that as much where I feel like growing up, it was a lot different. So I feel like that's kind of just going to be a generational shift. I think the next generation below my generation, that's not going to be as much of an issue. As well as I kind of talked about it off stream earlier, where if you're a company, why would you not tap into the other 50% of the market? Like, games were pretty much marketed toward young men. You know, usually it's a white male main character. And, like, that's okay if you realize that there's other people that exist in the world. So, like, I don't think there's a problem with having these different characters with different backgrounds and stuff. I think that's great. But it, before, it was pretty much you had this one character or you had this extremely hot, unclothed chick which was like sure. you know, just a service, <laughs> just a crowd pleaser. Like it was one of those two things essentially where now it's like, Hey, we can make these games for all these different types of people. Why wouldn't we? Like, unfortunately I think it is more for a money standpoint and less of a like moral standpoint. 
But mm-hmm. at the same way, it ends up being good for all of us if that happens. So there's a lot that goes into that, and I don't want to go too deep into it. But I think a lot of it's just really a generation shift of people realizing, like, games are great. Why can't we all do this? Where I feel like before, because games weren't as immersive and flashy as they are now, you had a very specific subset of people. But now that pretty much anyone can pick up a game and enter a different world that they can connect with... It's for everyone now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was mm-hmm. before, too, but now people are realizing it. Like, why would you not play games? They're great. <laughs> oh, there's a big difference when, um, you know, the game was Donkey Kong in the arcade. Yes. Um, and, yeah. And that attracted a specific type of individual um, who was actually really good at that type of thing. And the wide, ridiculous variety of worlds yeah. that you can embrace and become part of and find community in now it's a very it's just different it's very yeah. different games have morphed a lot to the point where like i said exactly what you just said too that before it very much targeted a small amount of people like my dad showed me you know his old not game boy but whatever it is it was like tetris not everyone's going to like tetris this black and white you know boxes coming down i personally love tetris but yeah i can see where most people wouldn't enjoy that but however now you can go put them be like hey you can be in this own world you can fly you can fight things you can build things that's interesting to pretty much everyone now that you have this different world that you can go in. So mm-hmm. I think VR will do that too in the future where more and more people will be like, wow, VR is really, really cool. I personally haven't been able to experience it yet, but it casts a giant net because you can literally do anything now. Why would you not want to do that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, here's, here's another question. That was a great that that created some great uh, some great feedback there. Um, we have what happened to the butterfly hairband? Oh, here it is. Here it is. It shows up. She so, still has it. Okay. It's um a silver bow. So I used to always wear it like right here. And part of the reason I stopped because all right, I'm one of those people. You know how if you your your nose, you can technically see your nose all the time, but your eyes adjust to it. I don't wear this enough where my eye adjusts to not seeing this. So I see this in the corner of my vision the entire time. And it feels kind of weird to just, like, put it back here. I don't know. There's something about it where I like it keeping this part of my hair back. Maybe I should just be like, all right, I'll just deal with it like this. But it does have a weight, too. I'm just someone who's very, very sensitive to, like, touch and stuff like that. Like, I'm like whenever my kids poke me in class it's it's the one thing where I'm like please just stop don't poke me (laughs) but I just noticed it too much and I thought about bringing it back and just trying to get used to it again I've uh, done this before too which looks a little bit weird to me but well it actually doesn't work on these ones anymore my old headphones are right here they're broken this would clip on pretty easily so I would do that sometimes, but part of it was just kind of a hassle for myself. Um, it was a big part of my brand, though, to start off with. So it was kind of weird taking it off for a bit just because that was like that was my brand for a bit. Um, I never really decided. A lot of people said they want me to bring it back. But part of it is also it sounds bad, but having expectations put on you is Always asking for more expectations is rough because there's already a lot of expectations as a content creator. No mm-hmm. matter what your size is, there's people that expect you to do and act certain ways and have you know certain opinions. And it's just another thing that feels like an expectation. And if I don't have it, like let's say I do it every day, one day I don't, I feel like I'm letting people down even over something as silly as this. 
it lets it makes me feel like I'm letting people down. So it's just one less thing, one less obligation for me. So sure. that's kind of a it's a bit weird thing to say. Like I said, it's something silly and stupid, but it's just uh, content creation is stressful at times, and it's like the less stress I can put on myself, the better. Uh, there's probably an entire episode here with with the three of us where I can ask you guys questions about brand building and um, not backing yourself into a corner that you don't want to be in in the future. And there, there's probably a whole outside of Tesla conversation to be had around content creation, yeah. um, just around the butterfly bow, just around. No, I, it's it's like personal experience, obviously not as to as great of a degree. Uh, but I mean, I wear my hat every time I do stuff, unless it's I'm casting. And today I streamed without it with my hood up because I was cold. Uh, and because I can't like sit all the way back. Right. Cause like yeah. it hits the thing. Right. And I'm, and my back's been hurting me, uh, from like riding like eight hours, nine hours in a car on Sunday. And I was like, I want to be able to sit all the way back, but if I can't do it because the things here so i I, and i had like three people like what happened to the hat where's the hat bro i'm like it's like this is 100 percent a thing (laughs) it's a thing oh it (laughs) happened to me a lot when i first started not wearing the bow like i like literally a year later i still have people like daily asking me like what happened like where is it i'm like i haven't seen you in a year (laughs) what but um like I said, it's something I've battled with if I want to bring it back or not, because obviously it's not so much of a problem now, but you literally, like, I haven't worn this thing, I have not worn this in a, over a year and a half, and you had someone ask about that. Like, think about how much that is. Like, that's, yeah. first off, that says success is branding. Like, that makes me feel really good, because this was an original idea I had, because when I played softball and volleyball, we would always wear the hair bows in our back, and I actually just really liked them. I've never been, like for lack of a better term, a girly girl, but I always thought the bows were super cute. And I don't know why I did, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to incorporate that into my stream. And that's what I started off doing. So, well, obviously, branding success, but at the same time, it sets a huge expectation. And sometimes there's just days where you're like, I really just don't feel like wearing a bow in my hair. Or I really <laughs> just don't feel like wearing my hat today. Or, like, my head hurts. Or I'm just not feeling good. Or, and it then you disappoint people in some way. Like, obviously, they're not, like, devastated because I'm not wearing a bow. They're not like, oh, I can't watch a stream anymore. She's not wearing a bow. <laughs> but it's kind of like, you know, that's you now. Like, it's part of you because you made it part of your brand. It'd be like if I wore a blue shirt every day and then all of a sudden I wore red, people would be like, what? That, that's not the way that's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's dangerous to be like the streamer who always streams in, inebriated. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or uh, like you have to be careful when you're, when you're starting out. And I've had that conversation with a couple of content creators. Like just you have to be cautious when you start out of some of the things that you want to incorporate into who you are. Um, let's ask one more question and then DBN, I know that you have a, a trivia question, a two-part trivia question. <laughs> um, if you could change one thing about Tessel, um, what would it be? Well, that's easy. Tournament scene. I like tournaments. I, you know, DBN, same boat. We like yep. casting. Yep. And personally, I just like competitive things in general. I grew up competitive sports, competitive softball, volleyball, all of that. I love watching people push themselves to be the best they can be. And a competitive scene is what does that. There isn't really an incentive to do that outside of a competitive scene for most people. Obviously, you know, there's some people who are just like, I just want to be good and better at things. And I'm on that boat. 
but saying, hey, there's also this chance you could get a bunch of money, that just pushes people a little bit more. And uh, like I said, that's really core for me. And so I would want to see more of a competitive scene feat. Like, I would like to see Bethesda back something up weekly, and I'd like to see two Master Series per year. That is my personal hopes and dreams and wants. Will that happen? Who knows? I, you know, that's not anything I have to decide, but that's what I would want to see. We're we're pushing people to be the best they can be more than one time a year. Yeah, we we just, we said the same about. thing. Yeah, last week we were talking about that. Like, imagine just like instead of being on a twelve month rotation, it's on a six month rotation. Like, yeah. Yeah, we yeah like a winter and a summer one. Yeah, like people yeah. would be preparing for a winter one right now. It'd be so yep. cool. Mm-hmm. And so we're be. not preparing for anything. But um, uh, that's loaded. Um, okay, Deviant, you, <laughs> you had a night. You had some trivia here for silver. Um, sure, I'm gonna fail it. Uh, okay, well, uh, this today's trivia question comes from our good community manager, CBH. Uh, <laughs> CBH has given me. Uh, some uh, a fun uh, fact from the previous data dump that he received from the team, uh, from the, I guess, the dev team. Um, It's not super, super recent, but it was like uh, post Jaws of Oblivion. Um, So it's a two-parter. First, um, what is the most popular card across all ranks, including uh, Legend? So it it is both the most popular card at all ranks, and it is the most popular card at legend rank. I'll give you maybe like three guesses. Wait, is it um like does rarity have anything to do with us? No, 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 it's just like most commonly played. It's like like how many decks feature this card is basically the the way it works. Um, my first guess is going to be Uncano. It is not Uncano. And my second guess is Shadowfin Priest. It is not Shadowfin Priest. Think very carefully. Okay. That, that was a good guess, though. Those were good guesses, especially the Uncon. I'm thinking of things that are, like, given um, to players early on. Like, those are my two best guesses for sure. Um, people cut, like... Can you give me a color hint now that I'm on my third guess? Oh, on your third guess? Uh, I'm yeah. not going to give you a color hint. I feel like that might give it away. Uh, what? But I will tell you, I will tell you uh, I'll give you the uh, the cost of it. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and that might be better, actually. But I think if I said the color, it would be super easy. Uh, uh, the cost, it is a five-cost card. Five-cost card. That blew my guess out of the water. <laughs> Which is always Wardcrafter, by the way. Always. <laughs> I mean, there's so many people that cut Wardcrafter and Harpy, it's why I didn't guess those two. It's because people don't understand how good they are sometimes. Five costs, though, man. I mean, like, I think because you said color, it makes me not want to say a multicolor because, uh, you know. Yeah, it is not a multicolor. I'll save you that one. Not a multicolor. Okay, okay. I mean, statistically, um, I've got to imagine it's probably you get not a multicolor. Divine fervor for free, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what else could it be? I'm trying to think of cards that you get like when you play the intro yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. what I think would be played. You only get one of those though, so and I don't know if people would understand that but that it, cards. It would have to be. 
one that also gets played in Legend, right? Like, yeah, it can't like, just it has be one to be that good. Get, it has to be a good one. Yeah, that's why I was thinking Shadowfin, because, yeah, um, maybe Fervor. I guess I'll say Fervor. Oh, it is a yellow card. It is a five drop. It is my second least favorite card in the game. It is Piercing Javelin. Oh, Javelin. Oh, yeah, that, that makes, makes a lot sense. of sense. I should have <laughs> had that one. I should have yeah. had that one. I think if I had, like, I guess Divine Fervor was a really good guess, though. I mean, that's a super versatile card. It is. That's a really Javelin good Javelin makes a ton of right. sense, though. Right. Even more so with the cast being nerfed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, so here's the second chat. part. So Divine here's... Fervor, too. Chat has me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, chat had your back there. Yeah, yeah. they said Divine <laughs> Fervor as well. Well, it I is, should have uh, had Javelin. <laughs> yeah, at least until recently. Uh, and, of course, this is the, the last data dump. I, I don't know if there has been one since... Um, like four days ago uh, when I got this. But um, second part, uh, and this one's going to be even harder. <laughs> uh, this is, but I'll tell you, this is the uh, second most played, uh, most popular card at all ranks, but it drops precipitously at legend rank. And I'll, yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you. It's about to be a dragon card, I'll right? I'll tell you this. It, I'll tell you this. It is a legendary. So I'll give you that. A legendary that's the second most favorite card, but drops dramatically second at legend most, rank. Yeah, it's the second most popular card across all ranks and drops precipitously at legend. Hmm. Hmm. I'm assuming it's a corset card, I would think. So, at Legend rank, too. It's not at Legend rank. Well, no, no, that drops off at Legend rank. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. So, man, I wanted to say some kind of dragon card, but I don't think that's right. I'm guessing it's a Corset card, though, because it's the second most played overall, right? Yeah, it's the second most popular card at all ranks, but it's really, really low at Legend. Hmm... There's a good guess in chat right now. I'm not looking at chat. No cheating for me. (laughs) Uh, There is not a photo friend option. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta move it. Man, I'm looking at these and I'm not like, oh, this is it. This is it. (laughs) Um, That's not it. That's not it. Oh, Quinrall Burglar. Is that your guess? Yeah. It is not Quinrall Burglar. I'll take, I'll give you this one. It is lower cost than Quinrall Burglar. I'll give you a hint each time. Ooh. Oh, it's lower cost. It's a okay. lower cost card than Quinrall mm-hmm. Burglar. Because my thought was like people, because like people see that card at first, they're like OP OP. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, oh wait. Yeah, they, they they get one game where it hits to the face, and then they're like, this is the best card ever. <laughs> I may have to mess with it. Are you allowed to tell me if it's corset or not? I mean, it's the most played. It's gotta be. It's gotta be up there. Um, another. I got one, maybe. One second here. Daggerfall Mage. Daggerfall Mage is not it. And I will confirm it is corset. It is corset too. How? Oh wait, wait, wait. Let's see. It's Let not me... the red white guy, is it? Oh, ooh. oh. 
No, I don't think it could be that one. Yeah, because how could that be played between rank five and legend? Uh, Oh, man. I don't know. I might have to. Oh, wait, it's less than six. It is less than six. It is a legendary and it is corset. And you said it's not played on legend. Yeah, it it is really low. Sorry? Motherstone? It is Mundestone! Yeah, you got it! Mundestone! That would not have been my guess. It is indeed, according to Community Manager CBH, the second most played card at all ranks, and way lower. That is a direct quote. Way lower at Legend rank. Oh, that's Congratulations! You don't have a prize. You win. (laughs) Uh, you win. Uh, one of the suggestions in chat was Tazcat, and I actually thought that that was a pretty decent suggestion. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was a card that probably would see a ton of play at lower ranks. It's core set, but your clue was that it costs less than uh, than the Burglar. So, I would wow. say, I would <laughs> guess Taz just because Dagoth. People play in Dagoth. There were some good guesses. Yeah, yeah they do play. Descendant of Alkosh, Baron. Yeah, I was going to say, Descendant was actually, I'm looking at chat now, Descendant was what I almost went with, but I was like, nah, I gotta keep looking here. Mundestone, once I saw Mundestone, because I went I went on Legends and checked real yeah. quick, and I was like, that, yeah, Mundestone has 100% to be it. 100% really <laughs> People it. play that, and then eventually, like, they realize, man, maybe I shouldn't play the, the lowest of tempo cards that can get killed by almost anything these days. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Mundestone, that yeah. is not a card that I I would have guessed because it was not one on my early time playing that I hey, ever really played. Full, I didn't com- even... full confession, uh, Mundestone was in the deck that I first hit Legend with. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then nice. you took it out right away, yeah, right? immediately took, took it out, out. later on. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, man. Um, Silver, uh, thank you so much. Um, this has been, what a what a pleasure it's been to have you on the show. Um is there anything else that you want to add to our, our guest Q&A that we're having here that you want the the, the people who listen to the show to know, uh, you know, about you or, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give a minute at the end for you to sort of rep where people can find your stuff. But uh, anything else you want to add before we move on? Mm, I mean, pretty much just keep playing, grinding. I mean... There's not too much more to say. I know a lot of people struggle not feeling good enough, especially in the game where you can go on huge loss streaks, hit unlucky streaks, as well as tilt streaks and not playing well. But you can get out of that rut pretty much no matter what. Sometimes you have to take a break. Sometimes you have to take a break for a week or two. Sometimes it's only an hour. But just keep trying, even though it's hard. Try different decks. Talk to your friends. Just do other things. And... Don't don't let a game take control of your life to the point where you're upset all day because you had a few bad games. Yeah. It's like reset and then get back to it. Mm, that's that's great. That's that's great advice for legends and for life right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did not let did not let it destroy your life. That's great. Um, well, as we close out the show each week, I usually come with some sort of thought and I have a little thought on my brain. Um, and so let's go and move on to Mark's closing thoughts. Yeah.
Okay, so each time I have a closing thought, it doesn't necessarily have to do with gaming. And this one has to do with life, but not with gaming, because if you're taking time to listen to the end of the show, we want you to get more out of the show than just becoming a better Tesla player. We want you to become a better human being as well. And so my thought is about the concept of pain in life and the concept of story. Um, this comes actually from a book written by a guy named Donald Miller, Donald Miller called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, which I read several years ago. It's a really powerful book um, in which he talks about the role of stories in life and the fact that as human beings, we love a good story and we want to live out really good stories. We want to live out legendary stories with who we are. The thing that we overlook often is that in every good story, there's a significant amount of conflict and a significant amount of pain. This is why the movies that we love are things like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and whatever other movie that you love that has a significant amount of pain, suffering and overcoming incredible odds throughout life. No one watches a movie about a guy who decides to save up for a Subaru and two years later has enough money for a Subaru because it's a boring <laughs> story because there's no conflict, there's no pain, there's no suffering. And so in life, often we want to live legendary and incredible stories, but we want to be able to live those things without pain and without conflict. But in order to live a great story, you have to learn how to embrace pain and how to embrace conflict and how to overcome those things. So my thought for this week is if you're in a painful season in life, instead of maybe doing everything in your power to get over it, to move to the next peaceful or happy season, see it as an opportunity to tell a legendary part of your story because incredible stories are never told outside of pain and conflict. Pain and conflict characterized every single incredible character. Um, and so that's my that's my closing thought. If you're in a difficult season in life, um, try to embrace that, draw from it, everything that you can draw from it. Um, I'm not saying seek out painful things on purpose, um, but I am saying that when those seasons come, because guess what? They don't just come for you. They come for every single one of us, no matter who we are and what stage of life we're in. Learn to really embrace, to learn from, to grow through, and to tell another epic part of whatever your story is. Um, and at the end of each Mark's thoughts, of course, we have everyone who's on the show the opportunity to chime in and share if you have a thought based off Mark's thought as well. So Silver, DBN, you got anything to, to, to piggyback off of that? If not, we can move on. Yeah, I, I really love that saying because it is extremely true. No one watches a movie or a story just to see them achieve exactly what they wanted to achieve. I mean, there's a few cases, like, like even when people do achieve something that they want to achieve, there's always, you know, the grind that happens or, you know, some big barrier happens in the way. I mean, even when I think of when I make a YouTube video, I try to show some moment where it looks like I'm not going to get there, that I'm not going to make it, or I'll show my failure beforehand, be like, see, I tried doing this cool combo, but I failed three times before, but now you get to see the cool combo because it builds something up rather than like, I succeeded and then I succeeded again and then I succeeded again. That's really boring, honestly. Mm -hmm. But also too, um, like really, I think that it is an important thing in life too because we all have our ups and downs. And personally for me, I have a really hard time with the winter season in general. Like it's mm -hmm. just mentally like just sun being covered, temperature going down. I'm someone who likes to go outside and just get some, you know, just get some exercise and stuff, and I can't do that anymore, and it puts me down in a spot for a bit, but pushing through that is, I mean, it's important to push through that, and that 
makes it a bit more interesting and it makes me feel even more successful when I am able to push through that and do what I need to do, like record videos or, you know, go to the gym or whatever it is. So I like that saying a lot that, you know, people, your story as well as other people watching your story or the content even that you make that they don't want to see all right, well, you wanted to do this, and then you did it, and that was it. There's no pain, no suffering, nothing bad happened, because it is a boring story, and mm. good stories are a lot more fun. Yes, yeah. yeah. DBN, any closing thoughts on that as well, ma'am? Yeah, one of the things that, like, immediately struck me um, was about what you're saying is this idea of, of pain, and not just the idea of, like, okay, every story, every good story has conflict, um, but it's also the idea that, you have to work through it and move on from it. I think there's this tendency uh, both in, you know, people, in politics, and anything, this idea of wanting to go back to something that we was before, right? Mm. Um, and that's usually, that's very rarely possible after some sort of pain or conflict. Uh, and it begins warping your perception of the world and other people. The best example is the film Vertigo, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's uh, masterpiece, in my opinion, one of my favorite films. Um, but it's this idea of, like, you know, a guy who um, falls in love with this woman, um, and it turns out um, the woman that he fell in love with was an actress pretending to play the wife of a of a dead, um, or the play the dead wife of a uh, famous wealthy person, and uh, fakes fakes her suicide. And the guy is so racked with grief. Of course, it's pairing with his fear of heights. Uh, in the film, obviously, he suffers from crippling vertigo when it comes to heights. Um, when he meets the actress herself, um, he notices how similar they look and begins effectively forcing her, as, and she feels guilty about it, to be the woman she was pretending to be, right? And the whole point of the film is this idea of, like, you, you can't – you have to move forward. You can't obsess about what was. And, of course, that, like – it's a great movie. I don't want to spoil how it how it all ends and everything, but it, it's there's something to be said for pain and what it does in terms of moving you forward. And obviously, mm. some people process things poorly. Some th people process things well. But in the end, you need to move forward. You can't just try to go back to the way things were before. It's never an optimal solution. Mm. Um, so I just uh, that's just what occurred to me. And I, it's not a super resolved. I didn't have time to like really plan out something here. Was, no, that was great. But that that's what immediately struck me is like you have to move you have to move forward and accept that change is inevitable after conflict. Yeah, man. There there's a future there's a future closing thought on the inevitability of change and embracing change as a human being as well. So we hope that my closing thought helps you not just to be uh, well, a better gamer by everything that we talked about this show, but we also help it helps you helps helps you to be a better uh, human being, uh, a, a more resilient individual, a tougher person, and someone who can live a more legendary story. Um, okay, <laughs> in, in your everyday life, yeah. Okay, so that's gonna. Oh, and you have a new movie to go watch, so, uh, so write it down. Go write it down. Okay, so that's gonna about wrap up this episode. But before we get out of here, we do want to know how we can get connected with folks so silver fuse how can people find what you're putting out there how can they get connected with your content well i am silver fuse on twitch as well as youtube and then twitter is silver fuse plays i'm very active on all of those i have an instagram too that's also silver fuse plays but i'm not super active on that maybe sometime in the future but for now i post on youtube about four to five times per week and then twitch is a little bit very like 
Well, it kind of varies right now, but I would say two to three times a week. I'm trying to up that a bit, but I've just been really busy working through some things. Okay. Awesome. DBN, how about you, man? How can people get plugged in with what you're doing out there beyond uh, Legends cast? Uh, Twitch.tv slash DeadBrokeNerd. You can also see the DeadBroke Nerd on YouTube. I post, I try to get at least three videos, usually four. Um, one is always going to be Elder Scrolls Legends. That's the most popular thing. So, hey, guys, uh, let me, I've got actually some some cool videos coming up from today's stream. I've got some stream highlights uh, from this new and improved uh, self-damage rhetoric. Uh, God, I love it so much. Uh, but then, uh, of course, Twitter, uh, DeadBroke Nerd um and that's about it but i i guess i just want to you know final thing is don't feel bad about messaging me on discord our legends cast discord page which mark will probably plug in a second uh is a great way to get in touch with all of us i think Silverfuse is on it as well if if not i can send you're gonna be on any discord yeah and if i don't reply that means i didn't see it not that i'm ignoring you so just dm me if i miss it because i have a lot of discords and a lot of notifications yeah so i'm yeah i'm free to help people if they need it too yeah and usually most of the guests we've had on uh are available on discord but i know for myself if you have uh, anything Tesla related, I'm happy to look at it and either help you or direct you to someone who can. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if it's something else, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, I, I will always get to it and try to get back to you when I can. Um, feel free to, you know, at me in the deck tech page if you want my opinion on things. Um, I, you know, one of the things Mark and I really is important to us is make ourselves available to the community. Um, and so I just wanted to put my little word out there that if you want to ask my opinion on goblins, my opinion may not be correct, but I will certainly give it. <laughs> um, yeah, so get connected there. I will say if you want to connect to the show, the best place is ever Discord. I just threw a link up in our chat. So if you want to join our Discord channel, click on that link. Um, it's really active. It's actually at this point amazingly – like I was really – consistent with reading everything it's so active now that i can no longer keep up with it um i just literally can't like you gotta at me in it like i try to welcome every new person that's in it it's so there's so much uh content that's going through our discord right now including a whole new thing to create deck images off of deck codes which is really cool um we also have a patreon page you go to patreon.com look for legends cast and you can support us financially over there it's a way if you find value in what we're doing in the content we're creating for you to give value back we do have a new patron his name is martin thank you so much martin for supporting the show we really appreciate you and appreciate uh you know your contribution to just saying that you're liking what we're doing so thank you so much for that i'm going to go through all of our patrons at some point and just give another thank you out to them because we really appreciate you guys supporting the show and what you're doing. Um, last but not least, for me personally, I'm a pastor outside of this day, uh, outside of this podcast. That's what I do. And uh, and that's really my heart. So my heart is to support this community through prayer and a listening ear. If you're going through a dark time in life or you're in a dark season, I want you to know that you're not alone, that there is someone there to listen to you, that there is someone there to love on you and to be there for you. So if you're in a difficult time, please reach out to me over Discord. Email me over at eslegendscast at gmail.com. Um, find some way to reach out to me. I'm pretty available. I'm there to listen to you. I've talked on the phone with listeners to our show. I message back and forth with a handful of them. I have a whole group of people um, who I'm praying for, no matter what their religious affiliation or what they believe, um, who are allowing me just to consistently be praying for them. And so um, I, I'm just there to support people. The internet can be a really, really dark place. And um, 
I want to shed a little bit of light into it. And so that's that's what I'm all about and one of the main reasons I'm doing this show. And so uh, that's how you can get in contact with me, how I'd love to support you. Um, that's going to about wrap up this episode. We've had some really great conversation. And uh, I once again, so refuse. Thank you so much for yeah. being willing to come on the show. We deeply appreciate you being here and and have really loved having you on. Um, next week, we're having Endozoa back on the show. So Endo's coming back on the show next week. And we're going to take an in-depth dive into looking at deck building and what happens a little bit behind the scenes of a competitive team as they communicate back and forth with refining and building decks that are going to go out into the uh, into the competitive space, um, which is going to be exciting. So make sure you tune in for episode 21 with Endo. Um, do and, and we actually have like a slate of people who want to come on the show. I think Bones is going to come on the show here in the future talking about his climb to legend on a new rerolled account. Um, and uh, and we have a couple other folks who we'd love to get on the show, which we're looking to in the future. Um, so that's going to happen. Um, Silver and DBN, is there anything that you guys want to add before we get out of here? No, just personally uh, voicing my thanks for Silver Fuse. Uh, one of my absolute favorite people in the community it was really, really fun talking with you, as always. Uh, but it was, I was, I've been very much looking forward to you coming on the show. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I don't have too much more to say besides I love what you all are doing and hope you all continue to do it. And hopefully I can listen in to Indizoa. I've listened to a few other podcasts before, but obviously time has been tight. But I do love the content you all are producing and I'm really happy to be a part of it. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Um, that's going to wrap up episode number 20 of Legends Cast. Come back for episode 21 with Endozoa back on the show as a returning guest. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, and we'll catch you guys back here next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of Elder Scrolls Legends. If you want to support Legends Cast, you can always leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Or you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash legendscast. Be sure to come back next week and make sure that you check out our sponsor, both Inked Gaming and Team Rankstar at teamrankstar.com.